All right, you may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Man, it's good to be together today, and I'm so glad you're here. If it's your first time here, let me say welcome. Uh, We are really glad that you came to join us today, and I hope you'll find what so many of us have found, that this church is a place uh, that you can call family, that you can call home. Um, it's, it's really good to be together today, and I'm, I'm glad we can be together today. We're going we're gonna to be tracking again uh, in the Gospel of John as we take a look in this series uh, about who is Jesus. You know, there's a lot of things that people say about Jesus. There's a lot of things that we say about G- Jesus, but I think one of the best things we can do, and it's what we've been doing this, these last few weeks, is just ask Jesus to tell us who he is and then to lean in and to listen to what he has to say. So that's what we'll do here in a few minutes. But before we start, I thought I would really love to just put my cards on the table with you for a moment and tell you, to tell you where my heart is in this. Because today, my goal is not to teach you anything new. It's not to give you a new insight or to, 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 to break down some word that you've never learned before or heard before. My goal is to, to truly as best I can, be a worship leader for you. And what I mean by that is my goal over the next few minutes is, is to ask you to join me, to invite you to follow me as together we walk into the presence of Jesus because I have this crazy idea that God wants something for you, not something from you. I have this crazy idea that if together, if we look long enough at Jesus, that we will become like Jesus. And my goal today is for us just to take a moment to push pause on the story that is our life and to look at Jesus. And hopefully by looking at him and taking time to, to be in his presence, that we will all be changed. And we can all experience what it is uh, to belong to him. So um, I want to start by asking you this question. Who are you? Who are you? Think about how you might answer that question. If someone were, were to walk up to you today and meet you for the first time and say, Hey, who, you know, what's your name? Who, who are you? And tell me about yourself. And how you might answer that question. I was reading a story this week, and I wanted to share it with you. The story is about a man who wanted to become a monk in a monastery. And so he went to this monastery, and of course they welcomed him in, and he began to work and to, to, to use his, his talents and gifts to, to serve uh, the people there and to work there. And, and after a time, he went to the abbot who was in charge of the, the whole uh, order there and asked if, if he could officially become uh, if he could make a profession of faith to, to officially become a member of this monastery. And he was, he was denied. The abbot said, well, maybe not yet. Why don't you spend a, some more time here working among us, and then, then we'll let you come in and, and, and be one of the members of this monastery. So about a year went by, and he comes back and he asks again, can, can I become a monk in the order of this monastery? And the abbot once again gave this, this notion that he wasn't quite ready and said, well, not yet, keep Keep working, and, and, and the time will come when you can come and belong to the order of this monastery. And I want to read you what happens in this story as this man is trying as best he can to figure out what, what, what's going on. After the man's second request for profession had been turned down, and the abbot had sent him back to the novitiate until he was truly ready, he was in complete despair. This last rejection had unleashed within him a flood of swirling anxiety. Listen what happened. He realized he needed help, but to whom could he go? The novice master was allergic to life, and his regular confessor was completely switched off. There were 150 monks in the monastery. Who could help him? A certain friar Lippius eventually came to mind. Now, friar Lippius was something of a maverick, but he was thought to be wise. He was the cobbler and more or less lived in this little shop down at the bottom of the garden. He rarely spoke to anyone. It was said that he could read people's hearts, so everyone stayed away. The young man said to himself, 
I've got to go to him. The next day at prayers, he left a note in Friar, in Friar Olympias' place in chapel. Can I talk to you about something? By early afternoon, he got his reply. Come to me this evening after supper. So after supper, he crept down to the bottom of the garden to speak with Friar Olympias. Crouched over a table, Friar Olympias was sitting on a stool repairing someone's shoes. He peered over the top of his spectacles and said, Sit down and tell me what's wrong. The young man went on for an eternity. He told him everything about his life, about his search for a real monastery, about his refusal for profession. All the while, Friar Olympias was working away on this one shoe. When the young man had finished, Friar Olympias said, I have just one question for you. Who are you? I just told you, said the young man. No. You told me about your clo- the clothes you wear. You told me your name, where you're from, what you've done, the things you've studied. Your problem is you don't know who you are. Let me tell you who you are. I'll finish that story in a minute, but before I do, I want to ask you the same question to think about it. Who, who are you? Not what's your name, not what do you do for a living, not where are you from or what your role is in your family or what's your occupation or what's your position or how much money is in your bank account. Who, who are you really? Who are we? Like, as a church, not, not what's the name on the sign in, in the front yard, not how do we worship, not who's on our staff, uh, not, you know, what we've done this past year. Who, who are we? I, I think this is, this is probably one of the questions people wrestle with the most, if you think about it. You hear people saying things like, you know, I've just got to find myself, or I have to figure out who I am, or I'm searching for the meaning of my life, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm unique, how I'm different, who, who I was made to be, or what my purpose in life is. And we, we struggle up against this, and we hear, maybe even you've said things like this, like I'm just searching to find myself. You know, maybe one of the hardest things that people ever do is just try to figure out who in the world they are. Well, the good news is, is that If you've ever struggled with who you are, if you've ever wondered about your primary identity, the really cool thing is that in the story we're going to look in today, in the words of Jesus today, he's going to tell us who we're supposed to be by telling us first who he is. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, I want to encourage you to open up today. We're going to look at this text, uh, this text from John 15. And I want you to lean in and listen to what Jesus says about who he is and then also about who we're called to be. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. What's cool is that, once again, Jesus takes something very ordinary, very plain, very commonplace, something everyone would have an idea about, and he uses it once again to say, hey, this is who I am. I'm like this. I'm like, I'm like the true grapevine. In those days, and even around these parts, I think, you would see grapevines growing, right? With these big grapes growing off the ends of the branches. And people knew what a grapevine was, and people knew what they did and how they, how they operated. And he says, this is who I am. I'm, I'm the grapevine. I'm, I'm just like that. And this was a great illustration. It was great for a couple of reasons. One, everybody knew what a grapevine was and what a grapevine did. But it was also good. It was also cool. Because if you didn't know this, throughout their entire history, God had referred to Israel, to the people of God, as the vine. And Jesus comes along. And in this moment, 
This is really leading up to, to the final moments before his death and his burial and his resurrection. He's right here with his closest disciples, and he leans in, and he's basically saying, for the longest time now, the people of Israel, the people of God, were the vine. They were supposed to be the connection to God. But now I've come, and I am the vine. I'm the connection. I've come, and effectively I've replaced, I've replaced you. Because for all this time you failed in your mission to connect the world back to the one true God. So I've come to be the vine to do what you never did. Israel as a people, they had focused inward. They had lost their mission outward. They had spent so much time looking inside the four walls that they had forgotten their mission, mission to be the vine that connected the whole world back to God. And Jesus says, that's not going to work. That's not good enough. That's not the plan. So I've come and I'm the vine and I'm here. I'm the source. I'm the lifeblood. I'm the connection. I'm the point. I'm the way. I'm the one that people can connect to, to get to God. Jesus is the vine. And he also says that his father plays a vital role. His father is the gardener. And here's what he says about the father, who was the gardener in verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches to, that, that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Now, we've talked about this before, and I know some of you in the room are experienced gardeners, so you know this. Uh, for a plant, for any plant, but for a, a grapevine specifically, for it to grow and to achieve its full potential, it has to be pruned. Now, if you're the gardener, I realized this this week. If you're a gardener, pruning a plant isn't scary, right? I mean, you know what you're doing. You know that in order for this plant to achieve its full potential, you need to cut back uh, the previous growth from the previous year to prepare for growth for the new year, right? For the next season. So if you're the gardener, it's not scary. You're cutting left and right, trimming this thing out, thinning it out, making it ready. And you know, because you're the gardener, you know it's going to look ugly for a while. It's not going to be very pretty. But in the long run, in the next season, in just a short time, something beautiful is going to emerge. Now, if you're the plant, I can only imagine this is painful. Like if the plant were alive in the sense that it had like a consciousness, it might think, stop. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't cut there. That hurts. This hurts. And for you and me, if we're connected to the vine and if God is the gardener and he's pruning us, we have to acknowledge this, right? This is painful. As a church, this is painful. When something is taken away, and it sounds counterintuitive, like we would think to achieve more growth, let us keep the growth we have so that we can build on that growth and build on that growth. That's the way that we think, but that's not the way God thinks. That's not the way creation works. The way it works is for something to grow and to achieve its full potential, for something to grow and to be even more beautiful, to be even more bountiful, to be even more fruitful. In order for that to ever even have the possibility of happening, the gardener has to come and prune and cut something away. And yeah, it's painful. It's painful. But out of that, something beautiful will emerge. But notice this, only, this is only even possible if the plant remains in the presence of the gardener. Then Jesus says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, 
and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you know this. Whenever Jesus says something once, it's important. When he says something twice, it's time to perk up and pay attention. For the second time, Jesus says, this, this is who I am. I am the vine. And oh, by the way, let me tell you who you are. You're the branches. You're the, so in other words, who you are is found in what or who you're connected to. And for those of us who are connected to Jesus, this is where we find our primary identity. If Jesus is the vine, then we are the branches. And the question that Jesus is basically posing here is, 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 is the question you and I have to wrestle with. Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to the source, to the lifeblood? Are you connected to him. Are you connected to Jesus? The life connected to Jesus and the presence of Jesus is going to produce the fruit of Jesus, but a life that's disconnected cannot. I love this quote. I want to share this with you. This is from Martin Laird in his book, Into the Silent Land. He says this, and let this, these words sink in. We might liken the depths of the human to the sponge in the ocean. The sponge looks without and sees ocean. It looks within and sees ocean. The sponge is immersed in what at the same time flows through it. The sponge would not be a sponge were this not the case. Some call this differentiating union. The more we realize we are one with God, the more we become ourselves, just as we are, just as we were created to be. The creator is outpouring love. The creation, the love outpoured. This is who we're called to be. If Jesus is the vine, we're the branch. If, if, if we're in the ocean, we're the sponge, and what is in us is ocean, and what is out of us is ocean. Is what, is what we're connected to divine? Is Jesus what is in us and what flows out of us? Jesus continues, he says this, anyone who does not remain in me, and I'll be honest, these are some, these are some hard words. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Now, I'll be honest. For a lot of us, these are really hard words of Jesus. And we read these words and we're like, man, is God really that harsh is Jesus really being that hard on us right here? That anything that doesn't produce fruit is going it's to wither up, it's going to die, it's going to be thrown away. But I, I'll tell you, I, I don't think Jesus is being harsh right here. I don't think he's being hard. I think he's being honest. And so, some, of you, some of you know this. I, I know this from experience, and you probably know this from experience too, that there are times in life where for whatever reason you do become disconnected from God. You do become disconnected from, from Jesus. I don't know, maybe something happened in your life that was hard. Maybe you just, you've just you know, been drawn away for whatever reason and, and you start feeling lonely. You start feeling abandoned. You start feeling disconnected. You start feeling far from God and, and life gets hard and things aren't working out and you're wondering where is God? And God, you know, God is still there the problem isn't his presence. The problem is that we've disconnected from him. And it feels like we're withering and we're dying and we're worthless and our life is void. And we're like, what's going on? And here's the point. Jesus is saying it. A life disconnected from Jesus is a disconnected life. It's not the way that you and I 
were created to do life. We were created to do life, connected to Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, producing the fruit of Jesus. And this kind of life, the connected life, the life in the presence of, the life in the presence of the gardener, the life in the presence of the father, the life in the presence of the son, this, is, this isn't just a good life. This is, this is the good life. This is life the way it was always supposed to be. And those who live life this way, those who live life connected to Jesus, what they experience, oh, they experience, they experience something amazing. They experience life the way God always intended it to be. So who are you? Let me finish the story. The man went to Friar Olypius to find out what to do. Uh, what was lacking in his life that was keeping him from who he wanted to be. Friar Olypius said, I have just one question for you. Who are you? I just told you, said the young man. No, you told me about the clothes you wear. You told me your name, where you're from, what you've done, the things you've studied. Your problem is you don't know who you are, so let me tell you who you are. Listen to these words. You are a ray of God's own light. Sounds a bit silly, the young man said. What do you mean? You say you seek God, but a ray of light doesn't seek the sun. It's coming from the sun. You are a branch on the vine of God. A branch doesn't seek the vine. It's already a part of the vine. A wave doesn't look for the ocean. It's already full of the ocean. Because you don't know that who you are is one with God, you believe these labels about yourself. I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. I'm a wretch. I'm a worm. A no man. I'm a monk. A nurse. All these are labels, clothing. They serve as a purpose, but they are not who you are. To the extent that you believe these labels, you believe a lie and you add anguish upon anguish. It's what most of us do for most of our lives. In the secular world, we call it a career. In monastic terms, it's called our vocation. But before you can know in your own experience what the psalmist meant when he said, be still and know that I am God, you must first learn to be still and know who you are. The rest will follow. Don't you love that? Who are you? You're a ray of light. The ray of light doesn't ask who it is. It, it comes from the sun. You're a branch connected to the vine. The, the branch doesn't look for the vine. It's already connected. It's one with the vine. You're a wave in the ocean. The wave doesn't ask who it is. It, it's full of ocean. It is the ocean. It's connected to the ocean because it's full of the ocean. That's, that's who you are. Maybe you've wondered your whole life who you are, and this is who you are. Your primary identity is found. Who you are is found in what or who you're connected to. Who you are is found in who you are connected to. So the question that I think all of us have to wrestle with and answer is who? Who are you connected to? What are you connected to? What is it that... that that is your source, that is your life? What are you connected to? I think the only way to really figure this out um, is really when adversity comes, right? You know this, right? The only way to, to really discover who you are and, and, and who you, what, 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 what's inside of you or who's connected to you or what you're connected to is by, by, by when adversity comes. And, and you guys know these are some beautiful grapes here I stole from our... Um, our uh, refrigerator this morning. I think they're pretty good. They are. Um, 
you can see these grapes, and, and by looking at these grapes, you can see that not too long ago, probably, you know, I don't know, a few days, I don't, I don't know how this works, but not too long ago, these were connected to a real-life grapevine, and they were connected to a branch, and, and out of that out of that grapevine, out of that branch, the, this beautiful fruit was produced. And, and the, these grapes, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's like your life in my life. These, the, this is the, the, the produce, the product of a really good grapevine, of a really good branch that was tended to by a really good gardener because of the efforts, because of the pruning, because of the work that went into it, because this plant was in the presence of a good gardener. Over time, these beautiful grapes were produced. And here's what's interesting. If I crush these grapes, sorry, kids, I'll buy you some more later. If I crush these grapes, you know what's going to happen, right? If I crush these grapes, what flows from these grapes is pure, sweet, delicious (laughs) grape juice. That's what flows from these grapes. And my question for you is when your life is crushed, when your life comes under pressure, what flows from you? You see, what comes from you when the pressure is on you reveals what is inside of you. And what I want to ask you, what I want to ask you to think about, really think about, is when your life is up under the weight of the world, when the pressure is on you, what comes from you? Because I believe it reveals who is in you. All of us, every one of us in the room, no one is exempt from this. We all come under pressure. We live in a broken world and things happen, bad things happen, yes, even to good people. And when the pressure is on, what comes from you reveals what is inside of you. When I first started in ministry, I was working with, um, working with a guy and he was going through some trouble. And so I, I I went to talk to him, and I'll be honest, I didn't know what I was doing, so I asked another friend of mine who was a licensed professional counselor to come with me. And so we went and we took this kid out for uh, milkshakes, and we sat in a restaurant by ourselves, and, and, and we began to talk. And after we finished talking for a little while, uh, my friend who, who knew what he was doing, he said, I, I think I know what's going on, at least part of what's going on with you. And, and so he was like, well, well, tell me. And so he took a cup kind of like this, except it wasn't this fancy. It's all I had at our house. And um, he said, pretend this glass, pretend this cup, pretend this is, is you. This is your life. This is who you are. This is, this is your body. This is, this is your existence. This is who you are. The way God created you, well, he gave you the ability, the ability that, that, that gave you this, uh, this innate ability to carry around a certain amount of stress. So just imagine that this, this level here, this water level, this is a normal amount of stress. This is what you were created to be able to, to, to deal with and to, to go through life with, and things have ups and downs, but, but more often than not, the stress level stays here. This is how it is to, to wake up and to go to work or go to school or deal with your friends or deal with your parents or deal with life. This is just kind of how it is. But what happens to a lot of us and what's happening with you, I believe, is that from time to time, more things happen than what normally happens. And so you got a big project coming up at school or maybe at work, and it just adds more stress. And then you get in a fight with, I don't know, your parents or a friend or a coworker or a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and it adds more stress. 
And then you find out that, you know, someone you love is sick or maybe you've lost a loved one and, and it adds even more stress. And, and slowly but surely, you're just kind of filling up what you're able to, to, to deal with and, and, and go through life with. And then, I don't know, you wake up one day to go to school, go to work, and it turns out your car won't start. And, you know, it just is even more stressful. It's just getting, getting to the max. And, and then you find out, you know, you wake up and, you, and you're ready to go. And not only will your car won't start, but it's just a bad hair day. And it's just, you know, man, it's just life is no good. And it gets all the way to where you're maxed out. And have you ever had this experience where maybe someone said something to you and they didn't really mean anything by it? It was a small deal. You know, it's your kids, it's your, it's your wife. You get home from a long day and they say something. And even though it was so small, they say something. And what happens? You just explode. You begin to, ju- you just go off the deep end. And they're like, whoa. What, what just happened? Like, that was not a big deal. A lot of us, have, I know I've experienced this probably this week. Don't ask my wife, right? This happens. This happens. The littlest thing happens, and what happens is we reach a tipping point, and we, we can't handle it anymore. And everything that, that, that is in us at that point, it just, it just it erupts, and it overflows out of our lives. My friend called this a tipping point. But you know what I think this tipping point really reveals? What this tipping point really reveals is what's inside us. Because what comes from us when the pressure is on us reveals what's in us. And the question I want to ask you today is, when this happens to you, what is revealed as truth about you and your life? What's in you? And is it Jesus? When we're squeezed, do we drip Jesus? When our life is filled to the max, do we, do we overflow with Jesus? And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we have to be perfect in this. I'm not saying we ever will be perfect in this. I'm not saying that we should all walk around with some sort of inner peace that just oozes. But what if? What if sometimes that did happen? What if more often than not, when the pressure was on us, what was revealed about what was inside of us was Jesus? What if our lives dripped Jesus? What if when when the stress was at its max, when we should fly off the handle, when things should just explode and erupt, what if instead came, what, what if what came out of us was the peace, the presence of Jesus? I'll tell you, this probably sounds so strange to you because we live in a world where you turn on any channel and it's about who can scream the loudest. But what God is calling us to is a different kind of life. A life that says that he is divine and we're the branches and we're connected to him. And I'll tell you what flows through Jesus is the perfect peace of God. I'll tell you what flows through Jesus is the perfect love of God. I'll tell you what flows through Jesus it's the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. I, remember the, I, I still remember the very first time I saw this in action, a mentor, a, someone I deeply respected. Things were going nuts and crazy, and I was there in the room when, 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 when he should have flown off the handle, and he didn't. And I was like, whoa, whoa. This, 
This, this kind of thing, when it happens in your life, when it happens to the people around you, people take notice because it's so countercultural. It's so different. It shouldn't go this way. The expectation is that we respond in anger or in angst, but what Jesus calls us to is to respond in a different way. And what I want to call us to, what I want to call us to is to be connected, to be so connected with Jesus that what comes from us when the pressure is on us is Jesus. It's Jesus. That what comes from us when the pressure is on us is Jesus. So my challenge for you this week is simple. Find a way to connect or maybe to reconnect with a vine. Find a way. It's going to look different for everybody. I don't want to pretend that there's one way that's going to, one size that fits all. For you, it may be waking up early to pray or waking up early to read scripture or taking a lunch break and scheduling a meeting with God or, or journaling or, or meeting with a friend or a group of friends or a mentor who, who, who always leads you to Jesus or, or for a whole week or for a whole day listening to music that just points you to Jesus. I don't know what it is. I don't know how, how you connect with God or how you can reconnect with God, but whatever it is for you, my challenge for you this week, for maybe even today, take one day and connect to the vine. Be connected to Jesus and let his presence change you. Let his presence change us. Church, if you would, please stand. Whenever I get a chance to be, a, you know, I don't know, in a car ride or in a place where I'm kind of one-on-one with an older dad, I always ask the same question. We'll be driving down the road, and I'll just, I'll just say, hey, I'm going to pick your brain. Tell me one thing that you did right as a dad. I, I, no, no one's perfect. We've all made a lot of mistakes. Just tell me one thing you did right. And this one time I asked this dad, we were driving to Nashville. I said, tell me one thing you did right. And he said, I'll tell you the one thing I did right. He said, I picked this up from somebody, and it just, it just changed, it changed my kids. Uh, I said, I learned to tell my kids every night before they go to bed who they are. So every night I tell them. I say, you are a beautiful, wonderful child of God. That's who you are. And I have them say it back to me, and they hate it. (laughs) But they know. They know that who they are is not where they live. Who they are is not what their dad does or what they might grow up and do or what they like or what they don't like or what sports they play or don't play. Who they are, you are a beautiful, wonderful child of God. And church, that's who you are. That's who we are. We're less than perfect. We've all got our flaws. But if we will stay connected to the vine, this is who we are. We are that ray of light from the sun. We are that branch connected to the vine. We are the wave on the ocean. You don't have to wonder who you are because you're already one with God. And my, my prayer for you this week is that you would be connected or reconnected to the vine. So that what comes from you when the pressure is on you is nothing less than Jesus. So that when your life is crushed, what comes from you is pure. I'll tell you this, and I'll close with this. You know this. When Jesus was on the cross, when he was literally crushed for your transgressions, what came from him, what came from his lips was forgiveness. You remember his words? Father, forgive them. 
And if you're experiencing that today, if you're crushed for whatever reason, I want you to know. If you're up under the weight of it, I want you to know that what came from Jesus when he was being crushed, when he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy all those Romans that were killing him, what came from him was love. What came from him was grace. What came from his was forgiveness. And if you need that grace today, if you need that forgiveness today, if you need the prayers to be connected to Jesus, if you want to be baptized today, we would love to do that for you to become a branch on the vine of Jesus. If you need to reconnect with God, if you've been distant for whatever reason, disconnected for whatever reason, we're going to sing this song. It's going to remind us that we are the sons and daughters of God. That's who we are. And our elders are going to walk around the room. They're going to be praying with people. They're going to be on the edges. And if you need prayers, they would love to pray with you because they want to help you be connected or be reconnected to Jesus. Let's sing.